Welcome to the Sport Feels Life podcast, where we're bringing you interviews with coaches and athletes at the top of their game. This is a community to support coaches, athletes, and fans who share a passion for making the world a better place through athletics. We are serving our community and providing a variety of resources to grow and win as a team in the sports we play and the life we live. We are your hosts. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And we're so excited to bring you all things Sport Feels Life. Diego Moyano is an accomplished former professional tennis player from Argentina. As a USTA coach, he has trained ATP players Tommy Paul and Riley Opelka and coached Dennis Kudla and Andrea Collarini. Currently, he's coaching world-ranked number 82 South African player Kevin Anderson. We caught up with Diego in the middle of the Vienna Open in October of 2020 while Kevin was on his way to the semifinals. Diego joins us in today's episode to discuss his incredible journey leaving home at a very early age to set out for his quest for tennis greatness, having nothing and working his way to the top. It's such a great conversation and Diego has the most uplifting energy. Without further ado, here's Diego Moyano. Hello. Hello. Can you Hi, hear me? Ashley. Yes, It's so perfect. nice to meet you, Diego. <laughs> nice to meet you too. I mean, like very happy to, to talk to you and uh, thanks for having me. Oh my I'm goodness. Really happy. Oh, we are so thrilled. This is a huge <laughs> honor for us. Um, and I know you've got a very busy schedule, so we are really grateful that you're joining us today. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, happy to, to join you. And, and uh, again, yesterday, well, we had a a busy, a busy day. Today was a little bit more calm and tomorrow is another busy day due to the schedule. You can hear me very well. I mean, that's, that's okay. Yeah, Sounds you sound perfect. Okay. It's perfect. Right. Yes. Yeah. Tomorrow Kevin plays um, late in the, in the, in the afternoon. So he plays kind of 7 PM uh, Vienna time. So that makes kind of the tricky schedule. You have to like make sure that everything is, is good through the day. So that's kind of uh, a little bit looks looks like easy during the day, but but is the inverse for a coach. When it's like that, you have to be you have to make sure that everything is is perfect and well organized. So yeah, that's, that's uh, and today is more calm. Obviously, Kevin is having a, a heck of a time out there. It sounds like things are going well. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been working really really good. We come uh, after after Roland Garros, uh, he had a good tournament. Um, we, uh, we talk and we, I mean, we agree on when we go back home, uh, practice with the team and kind of settle a little bit. Uh, we, we thought that we scheduled to be in, in Russia for St. Petersburg and I mean, a lot of tournament together. And, um, I wanted him to make sure that every tournament that he plays, he's strong and, and, and well prepared. So we went home. Uh, we trained well for two weeks and a half, and now now is uh, we're back on on the indoors for three weeks. So 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 far it's been really really good, really productive, and uh, he has a tough match tomorrow. Uh, but but very happy. I mean that those are the matches that he need to play more and more. Um, he's he's finding his level again uh, slowly, and uh, so we want we want to play those matches. We're excited to play those those tough matches. So I mean, obviously, we want to talk about you today. So we want to okay. hear about who you are. Um, some of our listeners may not know. I I think they have to be living under a rock to not um, know some of the players that you've worked with. But it would be awesome if you could just share a little bit about who you are, how you found your love for sports and tennis, and just everything in between that makes you who you are and where you got to today. Okay, perfect. So I'm gonna try to describe a little bit my journey um, until until uh, until today. Uh, so actually, I'm from Argentina, uh, born in uh, seven, uh, 1975. I started playing tennis at seven years old. My my grandma remembered that my grandma offered me a racket, a wood racket, when I when I turned seven, and three white uh, Lincoln ball, uh, and kind of. Suddenly, I, I, I am a huge soccer fan. All my life, I play soccer and um, it's my passion. My, but since I got that racket and those balls, I mean, tennis become like uh, my obsession. So I, 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 really, I don't know why I cannot explain. 
but the very next day I asked my mom to um, drive me to uh, classes. So I started playing in, in a very small city called Venado Tuerto in the middle of Argentina, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the farms. And, and, and suddenly I was every day, like eight days, uh, eight hours per day, like hitting the wall. So I have one hour uh, lesson with the, with the group on a, on a day school with the other kids. And then the other seven hours is just me hitting the wall, hours and hours, and running and, and, and kind of um, like do my journey and playing soccer. Uh, I did my career. I'm a former player. I was, uh, uh, my best ranking was uh, 130. I've been, I've been like 10 years between 130 and 200 around there. Um, so I play, I play, uh, I did all my career from France. So I live in France almost 16 years uh, because uh, it's, uh, at 14 years old, my parents, they got in bankrupt in Argentina. There was a big uh, economic crisis. And my coach at that time asked me, he, he told me, look, if you want to really play tennis, uh, there's one option that I can see. Your parents are in bankrupt, so yeah, there's not much more that you can do. Uh, but you can, you can get a fly, go to France. And in France, there's a, a really nice uh, money tournament circuit. It's, it's, it's not part of the ATP circuit, but, but it's, uh, you can kind of uh, improve, play a lot of matches, uh, and start paying your bills if you, if you win in matches. So uh, at that time, I have no, obviously, uh, I, I didn't even think one minute, and I took my first flight, and I was, uh, so at 13 years old, I went, to live by myself in Buenos Aires uh, in an apartment. So that was a great experience because I, I was like one year uh, cooking myself from 13 to 14 years old uh, and washing my clothes and then kind of go practice and living by myself in an apartment there. And at 14, I took a fly and I arrived in Europe by myself as well. Um, same thing, I start playing money tournaments, I start paying my bills. Uh, so that, that, that was, that was a great, great experience, a life experience beside, beside the tennis. So, um, I, I started learning, um, to speak French. So when I arrived there, obviously at 14 years old, I didn't know anything. Um, uh, I got surgery there. I started, um, speaking French and from there, uh, so basically, playing a lot of tournaments, improving, um, uh, learning, because I had to, I had the, the, the chance to also uh, train at Roland Garros when I live in Paris, I live in Bordeaux, I live in Paris, I live in Strasbourg, and I live in Marseille. Um, so from there, uh, I, start, I reached my, my kind of my dream, where I was playing on the, on the circuit, on the ATP circuit. Um, I won four challengers and make four finals. I play Roland Garros, I play all the Grand Slams. And uh, at 31 years old, I got injured, my back, uh, my low back, kind of I have, I have my low back really, really bad. So I check, I did all my, uh, I mean, my research to see if I could still playing and I, I really couldn't at that time. Uh, I had, uh, my first, my first son, my son that was born in 2001, he traveled with me and with my wife for four years. And when I got injured in 2005, my daughter was born. So now I have, uh, I found myself with my back really bad, um, kind of needed surgery, needed to be out for, for a little bit more than, than a year. Uh, two kids, my, my daughter that was just born. So I, it was tough. I, I tried to play that year, 2005, and, and I, decided that, I decided to stop at the end of that year. Uh, I didn't know, I never planned my, my next step when I, I really enjoyed the circuit and really enjoyed playing. So I never, I never really thought about what was going to be my next step in, in, in tennis or, or in my life. So when I retired, I had to kind of settle down and rethink, reset a little bit what, what I like it and how I'm going to do it. 
my my one of my philosophy in life is uh, whatever you do, just do it at at one hundred percent. I mean, try to be the best on what you do. That's kind of my philosophy when I when I play tennis before. I mean, uh, with my family, with everything. So, kind of, I decided to to give a try of the coaching uh, life, the coaching career. But but the, in the coaching career, you have many different um, kind of different coaching jobs, and that that require a different preparation. So it's not the same to have and uh, to work with under 10, the kids under 10, than um, transition or having a club or having a program with adults or, or be on the tour. Um, so I kind of have to think what I wanted to do. And uh, so I found out that, that uh, I mean, being in the circuit, my first job was, uh, was with the, top 10 player with Guillermo Coria at that time. Um, so I, he was number five in the world. And uh, I worked with him on 2006. So that was a pretty good first job um, as a co-coach, helping the team. Uh, that was a very good experience. And I found myself very happy and, and like really like. And the first, here is my first uh, um, if I had to give uh, a young coach an advice is, is I think, I think I did well there. I was, um, whatever you decide to do, you have to prepare. It's not like you, you play tennis and now you become a coach. Suddenly the next day you're a coach. You have to prepare yourself to be a coach. There's a lot of uh, nuances and, uh, a lot of preparation. You need not only, uh, know how to play forehand or backhand or the technique, but you need to know about nutrition, um, uh, Physio uh, physiological aspect, uh, fitness, everything, everything that related mental, mental aspect, everything that related to be the best coach that you can be. So, well, I, I worked with him um, as a private from Argentina. And then, uh, so I worked with several former top 100 players from, from Argentina, Carlos Berloc, Diego Harfield, Martin Vasallo Arguello, until um, I started working with Robbie Ginepri, at that time, was uh, he went back. He was a former 15 uh, player in the world. He went back. He was 100 in the world. He hired me. Um, we worked for almost two years. We had a very good run. He finished the first year from 100. He finished 15 in the world. He won uh, Indianapolis. He made a fourth round at the French Open for the first time. Um, so we have a pretty good, pretty good uh, partnership with him. And then uh, that was 2008. 2010 um and then at 2009 end of 2009 the usta called me and uh asked me to join them as a lead national coach um it was something that i was i was looking to develop um really my vision of a coach i always say that to be the best coach that you can be you needed uh you needed to be you needed to know how to coach different ages and different moments of, so you need to coach uh, professional players. You need to coach transition players. Transition is when, um, just for the, the people that are listening, um, transition, we call transition players, the young, the young players that are coming off juniors and they're like between 18 and 23, 24, uh, usually that are, are getting off the college or, the the junior circuit and they start transitioning to to the tour to try to be the the top 100 usually in tennis you have we say that around the top 100 or top 150 are the guys that are making money it's like in golf similar to reach the pga tour something like that so that's why we call that transition um and then you need to know how to coach juniors and, and, and so on. So every aspect of the, of the coaching journey. In, uh, so when I joined the UCA, something that I was looking at was working really hard with the best uh, player and try to develop a good generation. When the UCA called me, Jose, I had a really good relation with Jose Guerras that we share 
actually before before the UCA, we share a couple of work. We work together with Ginepri. We work together um, with with other players. So when when that comes in, uh, when that comes in, so I I jump and I really like Patrick McEnroe was the the general manager of the of the player development. Jose Guerras was the, the director of coaching. Jay Berger was the, the head of men's tennis. I really like the team. Really like the project. It was a very good challenge. Um, so at that time, the American tennis it wasn't. It, it, you had some some really good players that they were like getting kind of old, and it was a good moment to start the ten-year pro, project. Actually, we call that the ten-year project because we we made a, a ton of changes. And uh, so, well, in between those, uh, I mean, on those ten years, I. Uh, I had a chance to develop a really good generation, the generation that is right now that I've worked seven years with Riley Opelka, eight years with Tommy Paul, uh, almost five years with Francis Tiafo and with Taylor Fritz. Um, I had like five years with Dennis Kula, among other players, like some, I work uh, a lot of weeks with Sam Query, with Jack Sock, Steve Johnson, Bradley Klan. Uh, so it was very, very fun. And, uh, and so here I am. Uh, I, I stopped working with the, with the USTA at the end of last year. I decided to move back to Boca Raton. Uh, that was uh, the last three years. I mean, from Boca Raton, I worked seven years with the USTA there uh, when they built the, the huge American tennis uh, center in Orlando. So we moved there for three years. And I decided to move back to Boca and kind of go on my, on my, do my own uh, business again. And uh, I found that my, my Diego Moyano high-performance tennis, moved back to Boca Raton, started working with Kevin Anderson. And uh, I'm working also, I'm helping a couple, couple of juniors, but, but that's uh, my, my main priority is, uh, is, uh, is Kevin. So that's, that's where we are right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. You just gave me, I have already a page full of notes because <laughs> you unpacked so much in like 15 minutes and let's back up a little bit. Cause I have some questions about your early life and your career and how you found yourself playing tennis and then moving, you know, so far from your home at such an early age. How did you find that kind of courage to to believe that you could do this and what was your family saying as you were doing this uh, that's a, that's a great question um so it's a all, all those are are like fun stories because when uh i was at, at 13 13 years old uh i was pretty good i was number one in argentina in tennis at under 12 and I was ready to go and sign for the for the juniors at River Place, one of the biggest club, the soccer club in Argentina. So they they come, the they recruit they recruit on the team that I was playing in my city. They recruit three players, and I was one of them. I mean, four players, three plus me. So my dad, my dad said, "Oh, well, uh, we need to." We need to stop here. So I have a, a very good conversation. Actually, I was 12 and a half, almost 13. I had a very good conversation with my dad alone. And he was saying, well, look, um, here is the limit. We, the city, the, there was, I was kind of at almost at 13 years old. I was the best player in the city at that time. Not adults were better than me. So it's a very small city. So I said, well, and soccer, I needed to go to Buenos Aires as well if I needed to play soccer. So my dad said, well, you need to make a decision. Uh, we cannot make that decision for you. So it's either you play tennis and you have to go and live in Buenos Aires. Uh, Buenos Aires is 400 miles from, from my city. So you have to live in Buenos Aires by, um, by yourself because the family is not going to move for you. Uh, or same thing with the soccer. Um, you need to go to Buenos Aires. Now it's a team atmosphere it was kind of different or you keep doing your you keep studying and you you stay in school and i remember i remember that i said look uh no school and between the soccer the soccer and tennis because i need i needed to stop school at that at that time 
the only thing that I could do was playing soccer because River Play allows me to, they have the system where you play, you practice and you play, you do the, the, the high school. So I say the school, no. And between the tennis and, and, and soccer, um, I want to play. So I mean, we are, he is a, a soccer fan as well. So he, he didn't think about me. I, I'm the only one playing tennis in my family. So nobody thought that I'm going to choose the tennis. And I really, I really like the tennis. And I really, I say, look, I, I want to play tennis. And I like, and he said, why? Because I want to, and this is, this is connected with what I think when, when the people ask me what, you, what I think about the coaching on court or not on court. It's a tough. It's a tough. Sorry to go uh, kind of around it because it's coming from from the base, from the core of what I what I choose on tennis. I like it the one on one. I like. I'm a big believer the, the of the individual, and for me, tennis is was always one against one. There's no team involved. There's nothing. So you lose or you win. It's your responsibility, and that's how I I took it always, and that's where I. That's why the difference between the tennis and, and something else is, is like I found me the way that I am and my personality, like having that responsibility was uh, I love it. I love it from, from day one. Um, everything, everything around tennis and the fact that it was always my responsibility was, was my, my job. So, so then, then I have my, the full support of my family to do it, but obviously I have to do it by myself. So I went, I went to Buenos Aires and as a fun kind of story, the first time that I, I cooked my chicken, it was like three hours. I put the whole chicken on the web, I mean, on the, on the web and, and it never, it never, it was never done. So three hours and half, it was like almost midnight. I called my mom and said, look, I, I need to eat and my, the chicken is not ready. So I said, did you? Put your the, the the I mean the the wave and everything. I like maximum. No, I I did. It was a minimum. I didn't know how to do it, and and everything was like like that. And and same thing. I mean, like falling asleep on the table. Days that I come in, I did preseason of ten ten hours. Um, I have a coach. My coach decided to do four hours of tennis, four hours of fitness, and two hour two more hours of yoga when I was fourteen. I mean, like between that 13, 14, before going to Europe and I was coming back and I had to cook and I had to clean the, 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 the stuff. And, and I was like, find myself at three o'clock in the morning, like kind of fall asleep on the, on the table while I was eating. So it was a uh, fun and, and like, like I said, like great, great experience. Same when, when I went uh, to France, um, like sleeping on the uh, I mean imagine that I was arriving there I didn't have any money every time that you I, I arrived many many tournaments with uh, a, a not zero dollar on my bank I was already on minus 1500 or minus I mean two thousand dollars or minus because you you have to pay your ticket you have to pay your hotel but I didn't have the money so I needed to win in order to pay so it was like going going out there with the whole pressure of of winning and make you know I mean like kind of pay your bills. So like same thing is is a it was a great life experience. Uh, I guess I guess understanding how to deal with the pressure at young ages, understand how to how to manage your yourself and and kind of problem and, and like I say like I always say to the young kids. I mean the tennis is something that the tennis is giving you is is that problem solving skills because you you have to travel you have to go and you have to make decisions you have to problem solve not only on core but off core every time so that's a little bit what i did i found i found really nice people uh, all the time so i was if i if i have to be thankful for something is found really nice people all the way on my career that was help as uh, some somehow helping me to find the best the best out of me and uh like people that teach me how to speak French, that support me on 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 different aspects. On on, I have a a list of of stories, like a really tough moments where where always people that were trying to help me and they kind of help me to make good decisions. And well, that's uh, that's a little bit of that. And then and then when when you get older and and everything like fall in in their in their place then then it is easy 
when you start when when I was getting older and stronger and start playing good and start making the result and start winning. So that kind of everything is then then everything is easy. But but the but you have uh, I really haven't. I think I I start playing good tennis when I was uh, like 23. So those 10 years from 13 to 23, they were really tough. They were really tough. Sounds like you had quite a few helping hands, guardian angels, maybe looking out for you during that time. But I'm curious. I mean, you're you're describing this like drive and passion for the sport, but it's also almost like survival mode for you. Like this is how you have to pay your bills. This is how you are able to exist, right? So how how do you think your mindset growing up in that kind of environment is different from someone that you may coach who comes from a different kind of existence of um, maybe not having that kind of financial struggle or pressure or having to go out on their own and take those kinds of big risks. How do you navigate that and, and compare or contrast, I guess? I love it. I love it. That's a very sharp, that's a very sharp question because, because I've, I've been kind of, we've been kind of dealing with, uh, with that kind of problems. Um, so that, that was, I mean, I, I feel that obviously you can find uh, more extreme stories for sure. I feel that my story is, is kind of on, on that part. Not, not, it's not normal. Sometimes you have to, it's first, first you have to have a dream. Uh, I, feel, I feel it doesn't matter where you come from, if you have the resources or not, how strong is your dream? That makes a difference. My, my dream was really strong. I mean, I was dreaming to become the number one in the world. So that, that dream, when I was 12, 13, 14, I was number one in South America. I was, uh, at some point, I was number one in the world at under 14. So I had that dream and, and, and the result they were showing kind of the path at that time. Then you start making bad decisions or, or, or not, not great. You, you, you stop improving. You not, and, and that kind of that, that dream becomes you're not dreaming anymore to be number one. You become a little bit more realistic. You say, okay, number one, no, but I can be num- uh, top 20 and then top 50. And then we say, well, you know what? Uh, for sure, I'm going to be top 100. So, but the dream is really, really big. Um, so that's, that's the, the first thing. That, that, that's all the great athletes, doesn't matter the, the sport they have in common, the, that, that dream. And then, and then the other problem that I, actually I face on working with with the american tennis with the tennis federation was that you have a kid that is is is, has they have that big dream they have that huge skill big talent but a certain moment when when they when they get a little bit when they start winning they get too comfortable because they they have everything that they need they don't they okay they dream it get lost a little bit that's what the coach has to remind a little bit hey hey this is not your dream. I mean, for example, somebody that has the skill of becoming a great, a great athlete, like number one in the world, number five in the world, you have to always wake him up and say, hey, remember that your dream is not, it's not winning a couple of matches here or there. It's not because now, now, now you have the money. Now you have the sponsors. Now you, you are, well, now, now we, we are in a new world with the social media and everything. So everybody's following the social media. You have thousand followers and you have, uh, everybody's talking about you and you have, you become famous and now you think that you're there and you're actually not there. So as a coach, one of the, I think our duties is, is that wake, wake up that athlete every day and say, look, that's, remember your dream. Your dream is where you need to be. And, and um, it's not easy because they get, they get lost in the middle. You have a good, you have to be surrounded for, with people that always, not only your coach, but the whole team, parents, friends, that they all, they're all on the same message to say, look, it's, it's not here. Uh, it's not here. You have to break more walls. I, I, call, I call actually, uh, when you ask me about me, the survivor mode, I call breaking walls. You, you have a dream. The, the dream you don't know. And you, for sure, you have dreams. And, and everybody had dreams. But you don't know how many walls you have to break before getting to that dream. Some humans or some people, they need to break two walls or three walls because they have, they're more, they have the talent or they, they're like really close for different reasons. Some other people, they need to break 
25 volts. And some other is, is depending how resilient you can be to go through those walls and, and break them. And so the difference is, is, is that, I mean, it cannot, you cannot lower your standards with any players independent of, of the, the resources or dependent where, where they're coming from. Some guys, you're going to find that they're easy for them to keep moving and breaking walls. Some guys, you need to help them and find and surround them for, with a team that help, help him or her to break those walls. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. I mean, you're talking about kind of crushing somebody's to-do list or goals list and, and then those distractions that get in the way and how you have to keep bringing them back to this is your list, this is what we're trying to achieve, right? Correct. I mean, some guys, I mean, like, like uh, you say, some, some guys or girls or whatever, they, for example, they don't have money or they don't have the resources. So it's easier because you need money to eat and you don't, you know, so that's easy for them to keep being hungry. When you, when you are young, um, when you're young, 17, 18, 19, you famous, you have money. So now you, you have big, big, big chance to get lost there. And that's, that's where the, the coaching, uh, kind of begins i mean that that's that's the fun of coaching because you it's not about uh, winning or losing or or playing but it's about the build character as well you know? i mean it's, you build the, the player you build character you build you build a strong resilient player that can can pursue their their dreams in in any sport so that that kind of is uh, the reality of that yes 100 percent. so with that like you're working with these super top tier athletes who already have so much skill and foundational ability what is the role of the coach when you're talking about these kinds of elite athletes is it a, a more of a relational situation in your experience well it is it's a little bit of depending the age is a little bit of everything uh the first thing the role is aligned with what we just talking is first the developmental plan i mean you you are the one in charge of telling the the athlete okay this is this is your progression this is this is are the areas where you're not good these are the areas where you the weakness are you have to show i mean they don't want uh they struggle to any any athlete they kind of struggle to uh go through their weakness and here is the first thing that you have to go is here is your strength. That's how you're going to win. And this is your weakness. That's how, how you're going to get hurt. So we need to work on that. We need to get better every, every moment, every year, every week. Those has to be better. And your strength, they, we have to get the, I mean, you have to get those strengths the best that you can, uh, the best that you can be. So that's, that's the main, that's the fundamentals uh, about the sport, right? So build, build a developmental plan. Uh, surround the athletes with a great team because you need the strength conditioning. You need, in order to achieve those, you need the best athletes that you can build. Talking about, about that, talking about the trainer, he needs to be healthy because if, if the player is not healthy. So, so that's, that you need to have that team and working together and the communication is, is like, really the key and how you how that communication goes through the player so that's also the mental the mental coach same thing how what 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 the athlete need so that's in in the first order then build character you need you you need to spend a lot of time with with the athletes so we uh, actually we say that in tennis for example uh, a lot of coaching is 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 we doing a lot of coaching at dinner uh, traveling a lunch, a breakfast. Um, so it's not really on court. It's like um, outside. And when, when we have, uh, I mean, you're going to laugh, but uh, with, with the coffee and breakfast, with the, drinking a beer, I mean, me drinking a beer, not the athlete, but uh, at, at dinner and having a nice lunch, maybe, maybe we have like three hours talk about, about um, I had a player that we had a great, great like live talk and from that point on, uh, I'm not going to tell you this, the, the, who the player is, but one player, he was doubting and he had a lot of, he couldn't go through the process, very talented. And, and we have a huge conversation in the middle of a college bar. We went to a college bar. So he's young. He was, he was young. He was like 20 years old. So 
we went for a college uh, in a college bar. We we got a couple of beers and and we got a couple uh, like like burgers. So nothing helped. And and there were music and and noise and college uh, kids everywhere. And we started talking, and and we went on and on. And we started like arguing. And and he was like looking around because I was like talking loud and everything. And we went on like for three hours. So so he came back. We came back at the hotel. Everybody went out to a room and two o'clock in the morning he tweeted something. He tweet he he went like this, two o'clock in the morning. He tweeted, um, everything is gonna change from now on. Like that. I mean like like that. And everything changed from that point. Results they were completely different. His career made them so so the point is is you never know when when an athlete can click you know can when when that was the first time that i could go like deep on the athlete head uh, before that i tried we had a really nice conversation many times but the first time that i could go deep on on really what what is about life and and what he what what he was expecting about life and how he seen himself in five years or three years, and it was it was that moment. So in a college bar, in the middle of uh, nowhere, small city, but but like music, loud music. So so and, and like that stories like that you have like plenty. Yeah, sounds like you're just showing up as they can receive the information. Even it's just like if it has to be done in a bar in a college town, then so be it. You, you just speak to them at the level that they're able to receive. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the art of coaching. Uh, that's again, that's, that's our, our job as coaches. That's why you need the preparation. There's no one way. That, that kid is, uh, needed to be on that atmosphere, maybe to receive that message. Other kids, they need to be an opera. Maybe, maybe you bring to the, the, an, an opera because they're more serious or they, they, they like, you need to know the athlete. Like you need to spend time. Um, you know, so, so you need to know who you're talking to and how they're going to receive the message and, and also the vocabulary that you're going to use. Some kids you need to talk more or some players you need to talk more like a friend and some other players you need to be kind of using a different vocabulary and a different tone. The, the tone of your conversation has to be different. Some players, they're going to react more if you are more vocal some players they're gonna be more open if you more listening. So it's, it's I say it's it's an art. It's, it's it's not again coaching is it's kind of not only teaching forehand backhand or volleys. Is is kind of that that is the the last thing that you you coaching, building character and how you address and how you how you connect with every athlete. That's uh that's kind of the the key. So well said. Oh, wow. Okay. So I've got even more questions now. We're going to be on the phone all day. I hope you have a clear yeah, schedule. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> okay, good. I want to go back to something you've said a couple of times, and that's be the best at everything you do. Is this a value that you feel like you learned while you were on your own, or is this something like a family value that you've picked up over the, the course of just being part of the family that you have? Or where does this come from? Where does this kind of be the best at everything come from? Again, it's, 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 a, great, it's a great question. <laughs> so obviously, um, obviously, there's that come from the family, I guess. But, but, but it's not, I didn't remember to have that kind of talk with my family since I, I left home too early and too young. I think is um, is the way that I developed as a as a man um, when I was young and and a young age. He kind of understood that the, for me the life will be better be the best on what you do. Otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna fall on 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 nothing. You know, twelve years old, thirteen years old. I mean, I kind of. When I made that responsibility, when I took the responsibility of playing tennis and 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 do my career uh, independent of what was the resources that I had or if my parents had the possibility or not, uh, they they support me a hundred percent. But it kind of slowly uh, I built up that sense of okay, uh, you need to be the best because otherwise you're not gonna be, for example, 
I need to be the number one in Argentina because otherwise I cannot be traveling to the South American tournament. And then, and then when I was there, I said, okay, better, better be the best here and won the tournament if I want to make the team that is going to go to Europe. And then when I went to Europe uh, at 14, um, I better, better win everything if I won because it was the only way to get paid for the next trip because my parents couldn't afford. So it was like, okay, better be the best on, on, on there. And then, and then when I arrived in France, kind of you needed to pay, to pay the bills. So I, I needed to kind of be the best on every tournament that I was. And, and, and that kind of is, is get bigger and bigger. And then, and then I took the responsibility when I, I got married. I traveled to Europe. I stopped. In the middle of the story, I stopped because I was like kind of really tired of not having the money and, and being alone all day. So I, Kind of 18 years old, I stopped for 11 months, and then I come back 11 months later with my girlfriend, that is become my my is my wife now. For we we've been married for over 25 years, and and so I come I come to Europe. She was 15 years old, and I was 18, and same thing. Uh, when we come to Europe together, same thing. I have to I took the responsibility of taking care of her, so it was like better better be winning and better be doing the right thing because because now now she depends on me so then we got married i was 22 and she was 19 four years later and then four years later my son was born and and kind of same thing and then i like i say i did my max in in my tennis career as a player and then when i retired so that that's already is ingrained on on me that the fact that you i i learned that whatever you leave you need to be the one you need to be the 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 i mean you need to try to get the best of you and try to be the best that you can be that doesn't mean that you're going to be always successful many times you're going to fall but but it's not about how great you can be it's the whole process you have to enjoy the whole process because that that's how you learn that how you get the most positive in life on on the process of to be great because you not there's no chance I, I will be lying if I say if you do it you're gonna be great no you have the chance but enjoying the process and learning from that that's that's how they, so I guess I guess the whole the whole process until I'm 45 years old right now um, and I'm still I'm still like trying to look to get better every day so that's that's kind of how I get that ingrained on, on my brain, I guess, and try to share with the players that I coach and with my family, with my kids, trying to pass that message. And my daughter was, I was talking with my daughter last night, she's 15. For some reason, she had a B on, on she has all A's and one B. And I was like, okay, what, what happened? No, dad, you know what? And she, we started, we started like having that conversation of saying, but, but you know what, I, I don't want, I don't want to cheat and then, and, and we having a, I mean, the, I, I don't have a time, but I don't want to cheat anything. I try to do the whole process, so I try to read everything, and I say, well, that's perfect. Yeah. So then, then I'm, I'm, I'm good with the B. See, if, if that is doing all the right stuff that you can be and try to do the maximum that you can be, that's that's what you get right now. That's perfect because that means that when you learn how to do something better, in two months, maybe you have a hundred, hundred, you know? I can relate to that. I have kids of my own and my daughter brought home a report card with two B's on it and she was very stressed out. And I just said, if a B is your best, then that's your best. Like, you know, if you're capable of more. So I, I'm not going to punish you for a B. (laughs) Like that's your best. Exactly. And you, uh, (laughs) I feel, I feel the fact that they, they start having that responsibility of saying, look, uh, is that the maximum? Just, just the, that that question is: Is that the maximum that you you can be? And that's it. And you turn and you leave that 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 put that little like idea on their mind. And say, I don't know if that's the maximum I can be. Maybe I can do better than that. And that's that they take that responsibility. So so that's that is fun because it's it's, it's all about that. They're gonna transfer that in life because right now it's school or it's tennis. But that, then when you transfer that in life and say, well, I need to be the best that I can be when 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 I, I get out of college or something. I need to be really good at what I do. I need to put my hundred percent. I need to really, if I coach a player, I need to be really with the player and listening with the player. That the time that I'm with, you know, like that. That's is what it's about. Absolutely. Okay. So we're talking about kids and family and your lovely wife and everything. So how do you balance 
this uh, crazy travel schedule with being a father and a husband and how do you how do you do that? Who is tough? It's tough. So I have kind of kind of some guidelines. So one is every year when when I finish the year, I I, I kind of open up to to my family. That's one. Open up to my family. Say, are we good? It's fine. I and I can't keep going. I have to I have to change something. So about that's kind of what they see about me. So that's one. Uh, on the other hand, I really that obviously the all the technology help because I'm in contact. I I call my son, my daughter, and my wife every day and probably two three times per day. So that that helps. The other thing that is a golden rule as well is uh, when I come home. So for example, when I, I turn off my phone when, when I'm with my son, when I go watch, he's a soccer player. So when I go watch or practice with him, I leave my, my phone away and, and, and I'm, I'm with him. When I watch movies with my daughter or when I talk with my daughter, uh, I mean, actually, actually we, I start with that golden rule and when they were young and they were like kind of arguing with that. And now they, they ask me, they turn, around, they turn the phone like, uh, like on the, you know, or they put it away. And we had those two, three hours together, not, not phone, no distraction, nothing. And same with my wife. Um, so when we go in, we go in, we're talking. The family time, when, when I have family time, it's family time. There's no, no distraction. And that, that's kind of, I respect that a lot because when, I, when I'm away, uh, when I'm here, same thing. I try to be with the player. I'm not carrying any problem here or vice versa. I'm not trying to not carry any problem from my job or my relation with the player to, to the family. So kind of are those, those golden rules that are kind of linked to where we just talk about trying to be the best that you can be. Um, so that's, those, those are the, uh, the things try to be on top of, uh, of uh, obviously, huge help and and my wife is is the the boss in my house because without without her work um actually the people the people they she when she when we were younger the people they used to ask her uh, you you don't work and and my wife was used to get like mad and and i always tell her i mean you you do the you you're doing the the toughest job because i mean having the family and and having having the family together and organize the family and and be on top of uh, my son or my daughter on on the scheduling and me all the all the things are really tough job i mean so that's a kind of try to get everything organized um try to uh connect with with uh with each of the member of the family and and uh be involved and, and on top of every single problem. Even even if it's a small problem, I take it like like really serious. Whatever whatever it is this, I mean if my daughter is calling me for to tell me whatever she wants to tell me or my son or my wife, I take it like like huge. I, I, I take my time. And beside that, on my on my life with the players, I same thing. I separate I separate one player with the other player. Um, and and try to be like really on top of that. I mean, I at the UCA, for example, right now I'm with Kevin, uh, so it's easy to have one player. But at the UCA, when I used to have uh, Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka, and Francis Tiafoe, uh, or Taylor Fritz back to back to back to back, and you have to address to them and you have to talk with different tone, different vocabulary, different things. They come in with different problems, they have different things to work. And you have to switch in one minute to the other, and then you go dinner with one, and you you go ha- have lunch with the other. So so you need to be really your head there, and and then you get to the hotel or you get home, and you need to be fully engaged. So that's kind of require organization. You need to be uh, really organized, um, and and understand understand and separate the, your priorities. You need to understand your priorities i mean if if you know that for example when you home the priority is your family um you cannot go drink some beers with your friends so that you have to call and say look guys i cancel because i need to i i'm gonna go dinner with my son or with my daughter with my wife or we have a family dinner so so you need to know the priorities
Yeah. Sounds like you're the king of compartmentalizing all of your life into these great segments that you can manage easier. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the king, but I try, uh, I, I try, it's, it's not easy. I don't know, I don't know how, when, when I talk, I don't know if it sounds easy, but it's not. I mean, it's, uh, and I, obviously I make uh, a ton of mistakes and I, uh, well, I learn from, from the mistakes, but, um, but that, that's kind of what I try to get out of every, I mean, talking with people and learning and, and try to see what, how, how I can, how I can organize my my traveling, my working because because my working requires relationship. I mean, it's not like I go, I work on my computer, and that's it. It's, I'm working with humans, I'm working with players, I'm working with athletes. So so I need to connect with the athletes, and I need to. And at the other time, I I have my family, and need to connect with my family. Uh, and we're not talking about my family that in Argentina, for example, my parents or, or I mean, my, my sister. I mean, that's, that's even tougher because they are in Argentina. But, um, but yes, I try to kind of prioritize, do my job and, and kind of uh, try, to, try to pay attention on, on every, every person that I want, I'm, I'm connecting with. Thank you for being real about it. Like it definitely <laughs> doesn't come easy to anyone, but your insight is really valuable. I'm wondering just how do you challenge yourself as a coach to continue to develop new coaching skills and techniques and to grow and cultivate your own vast wealth of knowledge? That's an, uh, I mean, I like, I like the question. I mean, you are very sharp. All the questions that you, you, you asked me are very, very good, very sharp. It's, it's it's a good I mean I think I think it's on the same thing it's on the way of your my planning that I have with me the tennis is changing uh, life is changing tennis is changing for example how I co- how wh- how I challenge myself to coach through the last 10 years well I, it seems silly but I open an Instagram account I open a Twitter account I open and then you say what well, I mean what, what Diego wait wait what what that means well, if you look at all my accounts, I, I, I have, doesn't matter the followers, are my friends. I mean, are the players that I work with. I mean, with the kids, the best way to connect with the players is you send them a message and they don't read it. They don't, they don't respond. You put a like on a picture and you commented the picture and they commented right away. So, so challenge, challenge with uh for me is is that how i can connect with the young player how i can connect with the 14 years old 15 years old 16 years old um the best way that i can connect and i can talk because that comment they respond to that comment and maybe that transformed to a little conversation on how, how you doing how you how did you play yesterday how was it so so that's i and still and still complaining about I have many coaches and this uh, discussion that I have, or they complaining about the technology, they complain about the phones, they complaining about, about the, the Instagram and this and that. Well, why not adapting to that? Why not using that as a tool to connect better with, with the young? It's about us and how you, we perceive the new world, not about them, because the, the world is moving to that direction. We cannot be like, ah, no, but, you know, well, 30 years ago, we used to go to the street and play on the street. Well, that was 30 years ago. Now, now we're here and the kids, um, they are in front of the computer and they, they're like the king of the computer and the phone and everything. So we need to connect with them like that. It's our job to do that. So that's one aspect. Um, and I hear, I hear, for example, um, a poker champion. I went to a, a, a conference last year. And a poker champion saying, well, I won five times the, the world championship. And to start competing with the young generation, I needed to know how to play poker in, uh, I mean, like several games of poker in the computer. So I, I, I hired two different coaches to help me to understand better how to get better on the computer. So you say, well, that, that's, that's what it's about. It's about... For example, how you uh, how I challenge myself? Well, I challenge myself on that order. I challenge myself um, here on the circuit. Is is I feel that it's easy because when you are on the circuit, means on the high level, just the competition by itself is challenging you, right? I mean, you lose, you don't want to lose. You want to win. Um, like I say, I 
I hate to lose. I hate to lose. But I'm okay to lose if I know that I'm in the process, that I know that I'm in the process, I have a plan, and we're going to be, at the end of that process, we're going to be successful, right? Uh, but I hate to lose. So the, competi the competition at the high level is, is telling you, okay, you need to go this way. You need to go that way. You're not doing the, your stuff here. Um, and, then, and then same thing with, with, uh, with, the, with the young players or with you talking with the coaches. You have to force yourself to like go in out there and go to the conference. And, and, then, and then you need to be open how, how a coach learn from. Um, from coaches, yes. Sometimes from conference, yes. But the most important is, is you receive the feedback from the athletes. Is try, error, try, error, and how, you, how, how open you can be in changing, in changing and, and, and the way that you're thinking, the way that you're connecting, the way that you talk, the way that you listen. So... So those, those are the ways you have to kind of put everything together. Um, I disagree with when the peoples are only coming from the conference. I, I conference. That, yeah, that's good for the theory, but, but what about the practice? The practice is completely different. Um, so that's, that's one way, and it's very valid. So that's one. Uh, other coaches, great. I mean, you're connecting with the, great, the, the best coach of different, different uh, sports. So you're talking with them, you're asking them questions. You have to be like really vocal about that that's that's something i learned same thing with my career i didn't have the the resources to ha to hire my coach so i needed to as a player i needed to go out there and, and sit down and pay a coffee hey, i pay you a coffee i need a couple questions i pay you a beer and i have a couple questions for you and and you know you learn that you establish like like we do now um we call uh, this this call a call, but actually we feel it from each other. And you ask me a question, and you make me think. And, and so like this, like this is how you how you do it. And then and then the most important is from the players. More more you work with the athletes, more you try to help and listening and and receive from the feedback from the athletes is how you uh, become um, how you how you progress as a coach. A very give and take relationship then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's exactly like that. I mean, you you think that, for example, I'm I'm working with Kevin, and and somebody could think that uh, he's he's learning or I teaching him, and actually it's both way. Uh, I'm teaching him; he's teaching me. Um, we listen, we listen to each other, we discuss, we talk. Obviously, when when you have a player that is 12 years old, like I say, 12, 13, 14 years old, is 90% the coach, 10% the players. Kind of you you manufacture that player. You have to build the character. You, you give them the responsibility, but then you have to kind of tell them, it's a little bit like that. I give you, those are the three options that you have. But then once the player is growing, now you start giving them the chance to make more decisions and more decisions and actually make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, you have to go there and say, no, I, it's not like I told you, no, don't do that, no do it okay what do you think about that and how you, that's how you learn and sometimes sometimes the um the the connection and sometimes the the path that you gave them is not as accurate as you thought so you have to kind of it's like a gps rerouting and you go you go a different way and and okay you learn when the players is like that and this is how you challenge yourself I love it. Okay. I'm going to shift gears one more time and I have like maybe two more questions for you and I appreciate your generous time that you're spending with us today. I'm curious if you go back in time, knowing everything that you know right now, go back to that 13 or 14 year old boy who's done this very big courageous thing and is just getting out there on his own. What would you say to little young Diego? What advice would you give to Ooh, yourself? And that's a, that's that's a great question because I thought I thought many times about about that. So so I think I have some some strengths already, like like mental strengths I I had and some weakness. Um, I build a, I, I I kind of give them a planning. I think on on the planning I made way too many mistakes when I was 14, 15, way too many mistakes because 
to follow my dreams and, and my, uh, by myself, I, I, I rush, I rush. And instead taking my time to get better and progress and, and, and get the fundamentals better and, and um, all, all the areas that need to get better, do it at that time. I try for different reasons, I try to get to the result too quick and, and, and try to follow my dream too quick and, and go, go, go. And I needed maybe to take a little more time, progress, uh, find, find better maybe coaches to go through, even for a short period of time, uh, take a little pause in order to, uh, not pause and stopping, pause and saying, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna travel that much uh, for this period, I'm gonna work on my on my fundamentals. I'm gonna work on my game. I work. I'm gonna work on my mental. Um, that's how you know. Sometimes, sometimes the young kids they they so behind the result, and the parents same thing. They go so behind of being the numbers that in the world, and then this number on on the on the country, and they forget about about the fundamentals. It's, you're going to pay that off later on. If you don't do your job, if you don't progress as, as, as an as athlete, as you know, progress as a tennis player, you, you're going to, that, that's going to cost you ranking. That's going to cost you money. That's going to cost you points later on. So, um, so some, sometimes that that's going to be the first advice. The planning was huge. I made, I made way too many mistakes on, on the planning from 14 to 23. When, when I start like, okay, when I had enough experience and enough knowledge because I made so many mistakes that I, okay, now I know that how it has to be done. It was late for me. It was late for me. So that's, it's easy now to kind of help the, the kids or the parents. But for me, it was at some point it was late to, you, you're, not, you're not going, you, the time is something that in life, is that's why that's why everybody say I mean it's the most valuable thing because you're not you're not <laughs> the time passed and you not you cannot go back. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you have the chance to go a little like back and, and catch up, but it's not easy. It's not it's not always. Most of the time, uh, the time passed and you have to go from there. And so that's planning. Uh, uh, what else? Um, no, I think I think I think uh, I was clear on my dream. I think I was clear of what I wanted to do, and I I I feel that I went. Uh, if if I go back, I went. Ex I went through all the walls I need to go through to get to get what I wanted to be. But um, but the planning was a huge uh, huge aspect of my of my of my life at that time. Yeah, strategy is so important. <laughs> yeah, even when you're exactly. little. Exactly. I mean, but but in general, I feel I feel that with with the kids as well. I mean, uh, talking we, we we just went our our kids and and you say, well, I mean, when they take responsibility, how you see yourself and how you want to go about your life for the next. So the, my daughter is 15. She wants to be a reporter. How you want to be like that? My son say, okay, I want to be a soccer player. And how you going to go about that? And and kind of help and help them on on achieving is 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 crucial because that that is where 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 most of the mistake of of planning uh, is made. So if you have a kid that is is just crazy about the result and you have the parents that are crazy about the result and they forget and and they don't have a good guidance that kid is going to get lost that kid is going to get lost and and maybe maybe he's very talented but 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 you see that is taking the wrong path or you know and then you have kids that it was it wasn't my case about the work ethic and and uh, how much i needed to work that's that was a, the problem but you you see kids that they don't work enough they don't see themselves or they're very talented and you don't see that work ethic there um but but again you talking you asked me about me when i was 14 so i i i stopped there but we can go on and on with different with different uh, kids and different athletes that 
that we work with. Well, it's been such a joy to speak to you today. One last question. Where sure. can people follow you on like social media or a website? Like how can they track your journey and the work that you're doing with Kevin and other awesome players and just keep up with the adventures you're having? All right. Thank you. Thanks for that. Uh, well, I have an Instagram account, Diego, Diego A. Moyano, all together. Um, in Instagram, so that I try to, uh, I try to kind of update, kind of the life on the on the tour or, or things that I do. Um, uh, that's one. I have my website, uh, Diego Moyano High Performance Tennis. That that's something that we start. I start on the on this tough time on the pandemic when we were in quarantine. I it was a good time to go and start uploading videos, and that that's is is a little bit more. Um, like a good project that I have. Uh, so Diego Moyano, highperformancetennis.com. Um, in Twitter, same thing, Diego Moyano. Um, I have LinkedIn. I have all the social media, but, but those are the, 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 the ones that I use the most. You asked me about how I challenge myself. Well, I kind of be connected with everyone, coaches, kids, players, uh, uh, different uh, Asians, di- different different play play. I mean, people. I think uh, that's that's a challenging times, and and the world is moving quicker and quicker through that. And I feel I feel that I try to do that. Well, you're doing an amazing job, and this was the most fun conversation. So thank, uh, you, thank you so, you so much. much I was so inspired by this chat with Diego. He is living proof that when you set your mind on achieving your dreams, truly anything is possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe and consider leaving us a review so that others can find us more easily. It means a lot to us and it helps us get the word out. And we're always on the hunt for new stories to share here on our show. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tell us their story by nominating them at our website, sportfuelslife.com. Thanks for listening.